Matthew 5, 38-42. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Your word I must hide in my heart, in my heart. Your word I must hide in my heart, in my heart. Your word I must hide in my heart. Your word gives me joy in my heart, in my heart. Your word gives me joy in my heart, in my heart. Your word gives me joy in my heart. Your word gives me peace in my heart, in my heart. Your word gives me peace in my heart. Your word gives me peace in my heart. Your word gives me hope in my heart. Your word gives me hope in my heart. Your word gives me hope in my heart. Your word I must hold. Today we're going to continue looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to see uh, three main things that he talks about here. Uh, it's going to be about care, share, and prayer. These will come from Matthew chapter 5 toward the end into the first part of chapter 6. So Jesus is already doing the same thing that he's been doing, and I introduced you to this uh, this type of way that Jesus was talking because he says, you know, this is what you've heard or this is what you've read. And then he changes it up and he says, but I tell you something different. So in Matthew chapter 5, he is still doing the same type of thing. In fact, this is kind of the last time that he's going to really repeat this one after another. And here in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So in this passage, what Jesus is doing is he is taking this statement and he says that, look, you're used to it going a certain way. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I will, I want to comment. I, you almost have to comment on this because the specific command to love your neighbor is part of the Old Testament. However, that second part about hating your enemy, that's not so much something that you see in the Old Testament, but it is kind of a way that, that some Jewish people sort of interpreted it and oftentimes kind of behaved. And let's face it. If we didn't have these specific words from Jesus, many times Christians might fall into that same thing. We don't like people, oftentimes, who could be called our enemy. 
But even asking the question, well, who is our enemy? It poses some interesting things about yourself and about that other person whenever you start to trying to define what that is. You know, so many times we, we want to um, ask the question, well, well who's our, our neighbor? Well, Jesus was already asked that question. He gave us a great answer, and uh, you, can, you can read about that. But then what about this enemy? Who, who are the ones who are your enemies? Well, whenever you read the examples that he gives and how he speaks about this, you start to get this idea as to you know what he means about this and the type of love that he himself was willing to have. Because Jesus not only preached these things, but he most certainly practiced what he preached because, I mean, he died on the cross. Remember that sacrifice that he so willingly gave. Now, obviously, this crowd that was listening to Jesus probably had no idea whatsoever that he was going to die on a cross and was going to sacrifice his life like he did. However, us now, you know, living 2,000 years after he said this, we can see the type of care that Jesus had even for those who could be called his enemy. He shows us what it means to be a human, and he calls us to be this type of human who actually reflects the image of God. In fact, that's what he's getting at whenever he says in verse 45 um, that, uh, which, oh, by the way, I guess I don't want to skip over verse 44. Verse 44 says uh, how Jesus is changing it. He says, this is what you're used to. This is the way you've maybe behaved, but, verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus did these very things. Uh, in fact, at the very end of his life, he said, Father, forgive them, didn't he? Didn't he pray that prayer? He was literally praying for those people who was persecuting him. And he gives us the reason in verse 45, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus oftentimes uh, was referred to, and rightfully so, as a son of God. We are also called children of God, and we are called to be children of God. We are called to reflect this image of what our Heavenly Father would be like. We are called to love our enemies and to pray for our enemies. So even the next time that maybe, you know, somebody might cut you off in traffic or, or maybe, you know, get in front of you in the, in the grocery line, you know, or something like those, those things that I know it seems very minor. However, those opportunities that, that we obviously are going to encounter on a, you know, on a daily basis, at least a weekly basis, we start to realize, what does that mean about us? Do we actually care about people around us? I mean, the person who cuts in front of you and the person who maybe gets in front of you in, in the grocery line, um, you know, right, who kind of maybe beats you there or something like that, uh, those really aren't your enemies. But how do you behave against those people? Then, how do you think you would behave against people who are actually your enemies? You know that right now, I don't know if, if anybody uh, who is going to be watching this video is, is going to be, you know, one of these, but I mean, there can be people around the world right now. There are people around the world right now. There are Christians around the world right now. I'll get it right in a moment. Who know exactly who their enemies are at this time. And who know exactly who is trying to treat them ill. They are called. We are all called to pray for those who persecute us. And you look at this example. We are called to be a child of our Heavenly Father. And the example that he gives is from the weather. You see the weather every single day, don't you? Every single morning, the sun rises, and every single day, it sets. And we see that God causes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. 
He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And, you know, as a kid, I used to look at this and I used to think, oh, well, that, that sun, you know, that's a good thing. And the rain was a bad thing. <laughs> now I've learned to realize, you know, you need a sun to be in the sky. And you need the rains to come to, to bring life and to bring water into your land. You need all of these things. And our Heavenly Father provides them. He provides them for the evil and for the good. As an example to us. To teach us something. And I, I love this looking inwardly about us. And this is a good thing for us to, you know, kind of ask ourselves about. In verse 46, you know, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And he also says that in verse 47, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? How have the words of Jesus right here about caring for other people, how have they actually changed what you do? Being a Christian is supposed to change our daily lives. That means that it's not just about loving those people who love us. It's not just about greeting those people who greet us. We are called to do more than that. We are called to be better than that. In fact, in verse 48, Jesus says, be perfect. He gives us that, I mean, really, it's a command. He gives us that command. How oftentimes do we preach this as a command, though? We usually don't, but we recognize the importance of it. And also, I believe you can see what he's getting at with this because he's listed all these other commands and he says, this is what you're used to, but this is what I tell you. It's, it's different. It's more than that. And he gets at the root of the issue. And right here, he finally just says, you know, look, I'm going to paraphrase here. He says, look, if there's anything else that I haven't specifically covered, guess what? Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. So he covers anything. It's kind of like whenever the Apostle Paul, he'll list these things and, you know, he might list a group of sins and he'll say, you know, and things that are like that. Well, this is kind of Jesus's way in a positive way of stating that same thing. Look, be perfect. Follow the example of your heavenly father. This is what it means to truly care about people around us. And this next one is going to be closely related, which, by the way, uh, chapters and verses weren't originally in the Bible, and this was all just one sermon. So he went from one thing right to the next. So let's go to this next thing. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, we read this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now we've come to this, this part that I've you know, labeled as share. Okay, we've looked about the need to care. Now we see this example about share or sharing with people around us. Notice here that it's not really a question as to whether or not we are going to give to those people who are in need. It's just assumed that we are going to give to those who are in need. Sometimes we might find ourselves as being the very people who are in need. And perhaps that can help us relate to those people a little bit more if maybe you are reminded Maybe you've been in that situation in times past. Maybe you have needed something. Maybe it's not, a, maybe it's not just money. I mean, let, let's, let's not limit this to money. Let's look beyond money, broader than money, and realize there can be so many different ways that people can be in need. Money, of course, is one of them, but there's so many other ways. So whenever we practice our righteousness, whenever we share with people around us, what do we do? Do we need the fanfare? Do we need the trumpets blowing? Do we need all the attention on us? If that's the case, Jesus says, 
You've already received your reward in full. But if you want to be pleasing to God, your Father who is in secret and who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. He knows what you're doing. That's, that's not to be a scary thing. That's to be an encouraging thing. That He knows your actions. The actions that maybe even the people who are closest to you don't even know. God knows those things. And here we have this way that we are called to live. We are called to give, to share with those people around us who are in need. But whenever we share, we don't need the glory. We don't need the honor right there. Interesting thing in verse 2, it says that they do this to be honored by others. Now, this is a related language right here uh, about those, those hypocrites, that they were doing that to be honored by others. Um, Jesus is, is using the same words that he has used already in this sermon. Because earlier, uh, back in the previous chapter, in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, as you look at this, you might think, okay, well, these are these are weird commands, right? Because on the one hand, we're not supposed to announce it. We're not supposed to, you know, be all uh, out front about it. But then Jesus already had said, well, let your light shine so that people will see your good deeds. Well, well, which is it? It's both, but he's looking at it in different ways. Because here he's saying, don't do it to be seen by men, to be honored by others. He's already said that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I specifically mentioned that about that glorify your Father in heaven. That's our goal. That is why we are light. It's really not even our light that we are called to let shine. We are shining the light of God. We are reflecting the light of God so that God will be glorified. And this word for honored here in verse 2 of Matthew 6 is the same word that's in Matthew chapter 5, 16 about glorify your Father in heaven. God is the one who needs the glory. Not you, not me. God is the one who rightfully deserves to be praised. We are simply called to share the blessings that God has given to us with those people around us who are in need. So we've seen what Jesus teaches us about the need to care, to share. Now let's learn something about prayer. Jesus continued in verses 5 through 8 of Matthew 6. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He's teaching people how to pray. You know, sooner or later, um, I think pretty much all Christians are asked this by somebody or called to demonstrate this to someone else. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a, a child in Christ, you know, a, a new Christian who just doesn't really know how to pray. And sometimes people have to be taught how to pray. You know, so many times we think that, that prayers are this thing that, oh, well, you've got to be a very eloquent speaker. You've got to go up front. And you've got to pray whenever we gather into our worship services. But that is not the type of prayer that Jesus is talking about here. In fact, I hope that that is only a small portion of the times that we pray to our Heavenly Father. 
is yes, whenever we gather together on Sunday mornings or other times that we gather together, and yes, we have someone who, who goes up front typically, who leads the whole congregation in a prayer. That is all well and good, and that is important, but I hope that is a small portion of your weekly prayers that that is only one time whenever you come together or a few times a week that you come together and you pray with other people. I hope most times we as the people of, of, of God, as Christians, have learned to pray like Jesus prayed. Here, and he says this about going into your room and closing the door. Okay, oftentimes Jesus went outside and he prayed like on a mountain or something like that. So he's not saying so much about the location, but he's saying about the secrecy of it. Don't worry about being seen by other people. Don't worry about making some, you know, some really eloquent speech whenever you pray. Your Heavenly Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. Your prayers are to be simple. Your prayers are to be an outpouring conversation to your Heavenly Father. And if all this wasn't enough about how we are called to pray, He actually gives us kind of a model prayer, if you will. That's why in verses 9 through 13, Jesus continued and he said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In this prayer that Jesus was teaching us how to pray. He specifically said, you know, this is how you should pray, which by the way, it's a short prayer, it's a simple prayer, but it's an outpouring prayer. And if you were maybe learning how to pray, one, one thing that uh, you could definitely do is take this prayer, maybe even start by praying this prayer and then start maybe kind of adding to it, maybe changing some, maybe making it a little bit more of the way that Maybe you might speak rather than how Jesus was just teaching us how to speak. And if we always come back to this prayer and if we look at it and to see the types of things that Jesus was praying for, and if we pray for the same types of things ourselves, then I believe we have learned how we are called to pray for one another and to our Heavenly Father. Whenever we pray to God, we most certainly do need to address Him and recognize that His name is holy or hallowed. Uh, I don't know that we use that term all that much, but we might recognize it as holy. Holy is the name of our Heavenly Father. And the first part of this prayer, though, you, you maybe have noticed this, that in verses 9 through, let's see, verses 9 and 10, it's all about, you know, your name, your kingdom, your will being done. But then in verse 11, he shifts and he says, give us today, forgive us and lead us not into temptation. Our goal whenever we pray, our focus whenever we pray, should be most certainly upward, but it should also be about us as well. Both of those things are called to, to be present. I don't think it's by accident that, that that mirrors the same thing when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he gives two. He says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, yes, he said just a little bit more than that, but in essence, that's what he says. That's what it's, it's about. That's what our focus on our prayer should be about, too. Our focus needs to be on our Heavenly Father, and it needs to be on us as well. Our needs and 
uh, both physical, but then also spiritual. These debts, I don't think, are really talking so much about you know physical debts. I believe it's talking more about our sins. And here, most certainly with the temptations, it's talking about the spiritual needs that we might have and the spiritual struggles that we might be going through. Because our God is able to help us. Our God will help us if we simply ask. And as we look here, we see this about forgiving our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors in verse uh, 12 there. This forgiveness is a very important thing to learn. And, and Jesus wanted to make sure that this part of the prayer was not forgotten. That's why he continues in the next couple of verses with Matthew 6, 14 and 15 with, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So now kind of at the end, we've sort of come full circle and we've seen that Jesus in, in, these, in looking at these things, he's come back to this idea of forgiveness. You know, Jesus cared so much for us that he was willing to forgive us of our sins. And that is not something that was taken lightly. He paid for it dearly with his very life. He shared the blessings that his heavenly father gave to him. He shared them with us as well. And he taught us how to pray. And I want to, to end again with this prayer that he taught us, this prayer that we are called uh, to pray. Not necessarily word for word, but this is our model of how we are called to pray. I'm going to read it again. It's from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And Jesus taught us, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, unto Thee I pray in sin and shame. Lord, will You come and free me from this pain? You always answer. Yeah. Hey.